Okay, 1 John chapter 1. Everybody turn your Bibles over there, please. 1 John chapter 1. As was mentioned on Sunday, we will start off our um, first, I guess, Sunday's lesson was really an overview of the one another passages and what that means, but uh, we've begun that, that uh, series, and tonight we will begin with uh, the one another uh, theme that's talked about uh, by John the Apostle. And so obviously this one another phrase is spread throughout all of, all of the New Testament, but we're going to focus in on a few of them. Uh, so here's one we're going to start off with. You know, when we think about one another, um, it challenges us to refocus and kind of reprioritize um, the importance that we find in life, right? Sometimes we, we, we really, if you're like me, it's almost natural because of being in the world, because of coming out of the world, you're always kind of forced to look out for yourself first, you know, and, and that's kind of, uh, it takes on different forms of teachings, different forms of philosophies, but it's really pushing for you to, to do the best you can to get where you need to be and where you ought to be. And, and the Bible is going to go ahead and challenge that view and that worldview then, we're going to have to make some decisions because in order for us to love one another, Ultimately, the Bible says, I'm thinking of them before I think of myself. And so there's going to be this conflict. And if you're like me, it's going to be hard because a lot of times I'm like, oh, it's so inconvenient for me. It's I'm having to go out of my way and it's forcing me uh, to place myself lower on that list. And so um, if it's challenging to you, um, you are in great company because it, it was a challenge a lot to a lot of people, including the prophets. So if you haven't already, go ahead and get your Bibles out. Turn to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. And this is uh, something we've gone over a little bit before, so this may be familiar. And uh, if it is familiar, that's awesome because we're retaining some of this, um, this, uh, this teaching from John. But somebody read that for us. 1 John chapter 1. Let's do uh, verses 2 and 3. Nice and loud for us. The life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with Okay, thank you for that. What, two, what, what word appears twice in that verse? Proclaim. proclaim? Okay, I was going to say proclaim. Maybe I, I should spe specify what, what word appears twice in verse number three. Um, and that's, that is fellowship, right? Uh, somebody tell me what fellowship is. What was our definition? To have fellowship, Chris? Uh, Okay. That's right too, Julie. A deep spiritual relationship. So ultimately, and 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 Chris, you were spot on too. Just different words, right? Uh, but a spiritual relationship that's built on spiritual things. That's that's what fellowship is. Now remember what John says here. If you looked at verse three, ultimately we see that uh, fellowship is made possible by what? You're going to have to draw a little bit from before and after. 
okay? Faith, what do you guys think? What makes fellowship possible? Jesus, right? And, and particularly, he's going to say in verse number seven that if you walk in the light as he is in the light, right, the blood, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. So specifically, Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross was given as a propitiation for us, an atonement, a sacrifice, a, a purchasing. And that's what allows us to have fellowship. Now, what directions did we say that fellowship flow? What directions do, do fellowship flow? Does fellowship flow? Yes, horizontal is one way. And we said, what does this mean? Horizontally between who? Each other, between Christians. One another, exactly. You're going to see where I'm coming from this, huh? <laughs> so you have fellowship flowing side to side, what we called horizontally. But also, the way in which this horizontal fellowship is made possible is because of the other direction, which is vertical. And so fellowship also flows uh, up and down. And this is obviously between God and us. Us as an individual, if you are baptized into Christ, or us as kind of collective body, right, the church. And so we see that uh, fellowship flows vertical and horizontal. Now, another question here. What is required of me to maintain fellowship? A lot of Bible words tonight, right? What is required of me to maintain fellowship? You're going to have to read a little bit further down. And we kind of just mentioned it. Walking in the light. Do you guys see that in verse number 7? But if we walk in the light, John says, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, did I earn the right to have fellowship with God? No, it was a gift. But as a gift, does, is obedience required to maintain that? Absolutely. And we're going to see, we're going to see the opposite view because we're going to see people are going to say, oh yeah, me and God were like this. All the while they're living as worldly as can be. We know some folks, sometimes that may be us, to say, oh yeah, God will be fine with it. You know, he just wants me to be happy. Again, there's that, there's that co competition. And so when we think about fellowship, it requires walking in the light. And I use this image um, because Josh has an image and his is the body. I'm like, man, I need to have an image that I draw. So this is kind of my attempt at one. We'll see how it goes. Um, when you think about, in John specifically, John's, um, his gospel and his letters, his epistles, are going to be the latest of all that was written, okay? And so at the end of the first century, he's going to deal with certain false teachers. Does anybody know what kind of false teachers that John the Apostle dealt with? The Gnostics, right? And so Gnosticism is this, in order for you to have a real relationship with God, you kind of have to have this, this higher knowledge, right? It's kind of a secret knowledge. Not everybody is allowed to have it, okay? So there's that. There's also a few other groups that, um, um, one, is the, one, of, one is called the Nicolaitans. And so the Nicolaitans was a group of people that followed this guy by the name of uh, Nicholas. And their view was that the body my flesh and my soul are so separate. They're so separate that really what I do in the flesh doesn't really impact the soul. And so in order for you to be walking in the light, 
it really doesn't matter what we do in our bodies. It doesn't matter what we do as far as, um, you know, um, being a, a slave to my flesh. So if I want to go and, and uh, be engaged in fornication, that's fine. You could still be in a right relationship with God. You see, and so their view was that do whatever you want, it doesn't really have an impact on your soul. Well, the other group is um, those who would follow a guy by the name of Serenthus and a few other groups, but basically they believe that Jesus was a good man, a good prophet, but he was not the son of God. And so you have these different groups, and they made certain claims that were contradicting the gospel. And now here's where we know they're making claims. Everybody go to chapter 2. Chapter 2, and we're going to see the false teachers and what they were teaching. We're going to see these false claims. Somebody read verse 4 for us. One who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Okay, go to, drop down to verse 6, Dave. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Okay, drop down to verse 9. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. Okay, did you see any phrase that was repeated? You see a phrase that was repeated in all three of those verses? He who says, does anybody have a different? They're all going to be similar, right? ESV has the one who says, the one who claims. What do you think John is saying here? That these false teachers are saying, you can walk in the darkness and still have fellowship with God. And John's saying, well, the one who says, verse number four, the one who says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If you remember what Jesus said, the wise man is wise. Why? Why is a wise man called a wise man? Okay, so there's a foundation, right? And he uses that as, as an illustration. But what does the illustration tell us? Why is the man wise? He hears... But is that all? He does. The foolish man is foolish. Why? Because he only hears and does not do. That's what separates the foolish from the wise, is following through with obedience to say, I'm going to do the word of God versus I'm just going to hear it and not apply it to my life. These guys are saying, you just have to hear it. But as far as living it out, that's not really needed. You can still have a relationship with God and do whatever you want, okay? So that claim is there in verse number four. We drop down to verse six, and he says, whoever says that he abides in him, you can just say, yeah, you, you, can, you can live in God. And he says, and if you say that, you ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Verse number nine, which is where we're going to really hone in on, the false claim was, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, he says, is still actually where? <laughs> He's still in darkness. And so here we have the false claim that you can be here, you can, you can really be here, and you can claim things like, I'm in the light. What were some of the other claims? Verse 4 says, I know him. Right? What was the third one? Abide. So here are the claims of the person. 
But in reality, this person really isn't here. Where are they actually? They're outside. They're in darkness. So though the claim is, I'm in the light, I know him, I abide in him, John says, what really di dictates whether I am in fellowship with God? My actions, right? My obedience. And so what I do is what dictates. I could say that I'm here all day long, but what I'm doing is what's going to either verify or falsify whether this statement is true. Does that make sense? And so I can claim, well, what are some claims? Let's get some feedback here. What are some claims that we hear in and out of just, just by people about having a relationship with God that may, that may be kind of similar to something like this? I'm a Christian, okay? Absolutely, everybody, what does that mean? How does one become a Christian, right? And so the claim could be there, all the while the obedience is not followed through. Okay, that's one. Yeah, Brent? Okay, God is forgiving. Anybody else? Right. Okay, so the form of baptism. Chris? Uh, there's people that use verses and they'll manipulate them through definitions of words. The utilization of scripture. What are some? I agree. Um, so there's... Yeah. Um, there's this one, I forget um, the, where it was, but um, a, a man that I met who was a Israelite, everybody had said, he brought up a verse about how I'm coming back and being reborn and reborn. Every sixth generation you're reborn. Um, and how he said the scripture backed it up because if you look at a fourth possible definition for a word in Greek, it could possibly mean this. Yeah, so. That's a lot of conditions. Anybody else have any on top of their head? Any claims? Yeah, Donald? Uh, I go to Sunday services. I go to Sunday services. I go to church. I'm fine, right? Some other claims that I know of. We all worship the same God. Healing power. Right? Healing power. So, you know, we approach people who are still practicing traditional ways and, and worshiping things of the earth and. And they'll say, we're all worshiping the same God. It doesn't matter if I'm in church or I'm out in the mountain range. It doesn't matter. I love to go hiking on Sunday mornings. That's where I feel I'm closest to God. What about those who are in darkness, walking in sin and saying, God is a forgiving God, what Brent said. But I knowingly am still walking in the darkness. I'm still practicing that sin, as, as John would say later in this same epistle. And so we understand that there are claims to say there's fellowship with God, all the while, the actions, the living part, the obedience, what makes somebody wise, according to Jesus, is actually tells us the reality is the person's in darkness. And so what does that have to do with loving one another? Well, if we go to the last claim, they were saying you can treat your brother or sister any way you want. It does not affect your relationship with God. Let's see what John has to say about that. One verse 9, it says, Whoever says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, he's actually still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. Well, if you remember, it says that um, later on he goes, and uh, I guess verse 12 well, when you think about, we'll go back up and stay in verse 9. 
Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Hold that, that spot right there. Put a bookmarker there. And let's turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And let's go back to some familiar words from Jesus that really John is taking his teaching from. John chapter 13. So again, the claim is you can treat your brother or sister however you want. It does not affect your relationship with God. Jesus says in John 13 and verse Oh, let's go to verse 30, 33. Let me get somebody to read that. 33 through verse 35. Little children, I am, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. As I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot go. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Okay, verse 35, by this, by what? What is the, the this referring to? The commandment, which is what? To love one another. So the loving one another as Christian brothers and sisters really determines what, Jesus says. My loving one another, when it's visible, when it's tangible, when I can see it, Jesus says that serves as What? Proof that one is a real disciple or proof that one is in fellowship with God. If I'm trying to live out what God wants me to do, I'm going to view another person higher than myself. I'm going to want to serve somebody before I serve myself. Right? That's why you have, if there's a hold up at a door and there's a big, you know, traffic jam, you know, there's a joke that, oh, what's, caught, what's holding us up? There must be two Christians at the door. You know, no, you go first. No, you go first. You know, there isn't that uh, thinking of other people as, 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 as more important than yourself. And so Jesus says, your loving or unloving obedience or actions toward another really dictate not just your relationship with God, but it's going to be proof that you are a disciple. Any thoughts or questions about that? That loving one another is proof. Yes. Um, we're talking about uh, Christian and Christian, right? And, uh, yes. Does any of this, these uh, verses, would fit into brother or not or believer or non-believer? Yes, absolutely. Well, it's like the greatest commandment is what? You know? Yeah, love your neighbor, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's a little bit different, right? Similar, but a little different. The neighbor part is who's your neighbor? It's everybody, right? Specifically here. Just because so-and-so out there, uh, again, there may be claims, but the reality is only those who are in Christ are in fellowship, right? So this context, this study tonight is particularly talking about what? Christian to Christian, right? But, but we'll get to those because there are passages that talk about if there's anybody that's going to love people in the world the best, it ought to be Christians, if anybody is going to, any discouraged person, and I wrote this on my social media, is if anybody that's discouraged or downhearted or depressed, if they're going to find encouragement and love at any place in this world, it ought to be here in our assemblies. assemblies. It ought to be here if they're going to find it anywhere. And so with that being said, Jesus says, 
whether you love one another is actually proof that you are a disciple. And so the struggle there is claiming we're Christians and I'm treating my brothers and sisters like garbage. I'm not really placing them before myself. Any thoughts or questions? Does anybody have any experience with this? What might that look like? What might, what might that look like as far as, think about the world right now. You turn on the news, however, whether it's on the TV, on the radio, social media, whatever, you look at how people are treating other people, right? Horrible, horrible, and it's not new. It's always been this way. <laughs> it's always been this way, going back to Noah's, Noah's days. But if the world is going to witness what it means to love one another, should the church be that pillar? Mm -hmm. It should be. It ought to be. Now, the challenge is, we know in the past, and even today, there are people who claim to be Christian, but treat other people like garbage. So you have the world, as they're looking at this, saying, okay, you say we ought to love one another, but I'm not seeing it. You see, now there's, I think, another level to that. Again, with us and, and the congregation, we're dealing with a group of people that have, you know, really gotten the, the bad end of quote-unquote Christianity of saying, um, you, you need to follow this and you need to convert to this, all the while the treatment of, of others has been every, anything but loving. And so the claim may be that the person is here, but John and Jesus say it's actually your obedience that dictates that. Any thoughts? Yeah, Kelly? It's a sacrificial and unconditional love that has to be shown right. to make a difference. People outside looking in, they're judged. You know, I'm only going to love you with this blah, blah, blah. They put all these conditions on it. And that's not the way Right. Yeah, lo love is thrown around, right? Love has really lost its meaning because we use it with everything, right? We use it with everything. And so when we're thinking about loving one another, really the challenge is if, if I'm going to walk as Jesus walked, then John is saying I need to love as Jesus loved. And we know that Jesus loved, right? There is no greater love than, than that from a person who lays down his life. So what does it mean to lay down my life? Oh, I don't want to go out of my way. It's going to cost me 15 more minutes to serve this brother or sister. Yeah, that's love. You know, you mean I'm going to have to stay after and, and help clean or, or whatever that is. Yeah, that's love. It is even when you're inconvenienced, even if it means I'm going to go out of my way. Um, and, and, and really, when you're on the receiving end of love, what does it do to you? When you're on the receiving end of a man, just a loving act, what, what does that do to your soul? It builds you up. I should know that as a Christian, when I choose to come to the assembly, I'm leaving here more spiritually filled than when I came in. And that's because that love is feeding off of one another. That I may be, I may go home, and I be, I may be. Um, in a family that's just filled with violence and cursing and bad-mouthing and tearing down. I may go to school, and I may be bullied, and I may be um, 
just having a hard time with my teachers. I may be going all of these places, go to my job, and I'm ridiculed. And I come here. There ought to be a difference when we come here. That if there's any place that somebody's going to feel this, it's here. And even if I'm not a Christian, I'm going to witness this. I'm going to witness this, you know. And it's so awesome to see it when it's lived out. You know, one of the great um, things that I, I love is um, just the God's Precious Daughters. And I don't know. You ladies ought to keep doing what you're doing because my girls cleaned an entire day. They cleaned. They scrubbed the kitchen. They scrubbed the bathroom. They cleaned this building. And they came home. and they, I don't remember them being happier than that day. I'm like, you're happy you just cleaned I need Libby and these ladies to get them going more often. <laughs> they love it. But why? Why did those little girls leave this, even though they were working and serving and sacrificing, why were they so encouraged? <laughs> they accomplished it, sure, absolutely. But what else? What do you guys think? They're doing it for somebody else. Don't you think they saw that it was good? This is what I'm supposed to do. Now, the motivation changes now. Is, is now it's like, oh, we don't know. i got to do that. No, the motivation changes to say, Jesus did that for me. The least I can do is do this for brothers so-and-so or sisters. That's the least that I can do is love. And though it may not be the fullness or the completeness that Jesus demonstrates, it can at least be a degree of it. It can be a piece of it. And in that way, oh, it just, it fills you up. And that would, that's what Jesus says. That's one proof to tell other people that you actually are a disciple of his. Any thoughts? Okay. So going back to First uh, John, we drop down to verse number 10. And John here says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Okay, now there isn't just words here. There's actual action behind it. Whoever is loving their brother, he's abiding in the light, John says. He goes on to say, and in him, in who? What's the su- who's the subject here? The, the one who is loving, right? The one who is loving his brother. Here's where we're going to make our application. He says, in him, there is no cause for stumbling. Here's where we're bringing the whole lesson to a head. Specifically, what does it mean to love one another according to this passage? Because the one who is loving his brother, a result of that is what? This person's influence it will not cause others to stumble. Now, did I miss anybody with that? When I'm loving my brother or loving my sister, I'm living in the light, but he says also another uh, consequence, another reaction because of that loving is I am a source of what? Of life, right? Okay, let's use light. But what is it causing 
He uses a negative. He says it's not causing others to stumble. So what'd be the opposite? I am causing encouragement. Does anybody have any other thoughts? What's the opposite of causing somebody to stumble? Obedience. Lifting them up. Not to fall. Think about this here. Helping them to walk in it. So not only am I a source of the light because I'm in him, but I'm helping them do what? Also be in the light. I'm a source of light keeping others also in the light. I didn't mean to yell. It just fires me up. What does it mean in this context to love one another? I'm a source that keeps my brother who's struggling with sexual sin to approach him and tell him I love him and I don't fear for him. I fear for him to lose his soul. So we need you back on track and we need to keep you here. That's my influence to him. And so rather than joining him with that sin, where now we're both led astray that Josh talked about on Sunday, I'm using my source of encouragement to keep my brother because I want him here with me. I want him here. If I have a sister who's struggling with depression and she's starting to fall into that trap of of forgetting and losing hope and letting go of God, I'm going to use all of my might and all of my resources and all of my strength to bring her back on board and to keep her here. To love one another in this context here, it means my influence will never cause another Christian to stumble purposefully. My intention is to keep each and every one of you alongside me because my mission is to get to heaven. And so my loving one another is anything I've got to do to keep you guys with me. Does that make sense? Is that not powerful? To say, how many, how many times are we thinking about loving one another? The reality is, I'm keeping them, through my influence, I'm keeping them here. God is keeping them there through me. In what ways can we do that? I gave two. I gave two. When people are coming to assembly, call them, visit, encourage people to come back. Right, so that's a good one. So keeping others also in the light. If we, again, what John says is to cause, he will not be a source for stumbling. What's really cool is that word stumbling, it means, has two definitions here. Number one, that which causes people to fall into sin. Number one. Real quick, somebody turn to Matthew 16 and verse 23. And another person turn to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 14. Matthew 16, 23. And Revelation 2, 14. And when somebody gets to Matthew, go ahead and read that for us, nice and loud. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man. Ah, you. Who's talking there? Jesus is. Talking to who? The Apostle Peter. Right? 
And he saved Peter because what did Peter say? Jesus said, I'm going to have to go. In three days, I'm going to die. And, and then three days after that, I'm going to rise again. And Jesus says, no, you can't. And Peter rebukes Jesus. He's not aligning his will with God's will. And as a result, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. And so in that context, being a stumbling block is allowing my will to trump God's will. God, I see this is your will, but I don't like it. I want mine instead. And I'm going to turn and I'm going to do things my way. I'm causing other people to do what they want. Matthew 16, 23. All right, who has Revelation 2, 14? I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold the teachings of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Okay. So again, the Apostle John there. What does it mean to eat things sacrificed to idols? Right. And that false religion is what those Christians came out of, right? It's their former religion. And there were some who were saying, oh, it's fine, you can still do this, that, and not, not worried about their influence through other people, causing other people to fall back into that former religion, that former lifestyle. And in that way, they're being a stumbling block. It's like somebody converting out of traditionalism and me converting out, doing things that they would say, oh, I can still go to the medicine man and I can still, um, you know, burn sagebrush and cedar and pray that way. Evan's doing it. Ah, not a big deal. I'm causing them to stumble and they're falling back into that religious practice. Does that make sense? So two passages that are really cool of what it means to stumble, it's causing other people to fall back into sin. Am I an influence to other people that causes them to fall back into sin? That, that's, that's what it means to, to be a stumbling block. Number two is that which causes people to be dismayed so that they fall to, fail to accept the truth. <laughs> when this brother or sister has wandered off the trail, how am I? What's my demeanor like? What are my words like? What are my actions like to bring them back into the fold? Some of us can act in a way that actually pushes them further away. I may use, use words that cause them to become more discouraged. You know, how could you do that? That's so dumb. You know, it's so stupid when people do that. Am I really using my words to bring them back, or is that causing them to just, I don't want that. I don't want anything to do with it, and now... I'm continuing to go that way. And so to stumble, to be a stumbling block, it comes with a lot of uh, areas of application. And so when we think about this, to love one another is to be the best spiritual influence to my brother and sister. In John chapter 1 and chapter 2, to love one another means I'm a source of light keeping others in the light also. Does that make sense? Give me some thoughts, give me some feedback, because I'm all out of content now. We've got uh, about five minutes. Mark, any thoughts? Complaints? Well, I, I go back to verse 9, there okay. chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all the righteousness. Oh, yes. What are your thoughts about that? You know, that, 
that is something which, you know, with, okay, <laughs> with your cross up there. You know, the up and down, the up and down is a whole lot easier than the cross, okay? Because, you know, between me and God, yes, I can talk to God. I can confess my sin. But I can tell you that what I think we lose as Christians oftentimes is we lose mm -hmm. this aspect of that. Okay? And when I say we lose that aspect of it, I can tell you that uh, I, you know, I have said and I have confessed sins to a brother. And I tell you what, it's not that that brother has anything to do with being able to purify me, to do anything or whatnot. But boy, Heidi, I tell you what, just knowing that I've got that brother there who loves me and would do anything for me is so amazing that it just, you know, it just lifts all of that that's on me, okay? Now, it's being done through this, but I think we miss yeah. this because we don't allow God to work in our lives oftentimes the way that He wants to. He wants to work in our lives. And, and that is just, and as I say that, that's just saying that we don't use one another. <laughs> we don't use one another the way oftentimes I think God wants us to. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that can, can serve its own class. That, that very fact is, how often do we find ourselves a part of the body but not a part of the body? You know, I was baptized and God had transferred me out of darkness into his marvelous light, placed me into the body of his son, but you know what? I've got walls that are this high. I don't want anybody to look into my life. I want everything I'm doing completely distant. I'm not willing to share my, my what, it, what, uh, what Mark said. I'm not willing to share my struggles. You know, when somebody comes to me and they're saying, you know what? I'm struggling with this and I need somebody to help me. I need accountability. I mean, that makes me feel so good because they see me as a person that helps them that wants to help them. And so, you know, I understand that, that we need privacy in some areas, but man, I think you're so right. And how often do we fail to confide in one another? Right, Miss Patty? Yeah, I think another beauty of confiding in each other is to find out that other people are struggling mm -hmm. with the same struggles. I mean, social media can make everything look beautiful. Right. But in truth, we're all struggling, and we all have when you confide with each other, they say, oh my goodness, I'm struggling with the same thing. Yeah, that's why I'm not afraid to ask questions. You know, I remember like third grade, the teacher said, there's no such thing as a dumb question. You know, sometimes there are dumb questions, but a lot of times that person that finally gets enough courage to ask the question, there's about five other people in the class that are saying, oh, thankfully, I was struggling with that too. You know, people are people. And as a result, we all have similar struggles. And so for me to finally, you know, and we need to be careful. If we're on the receiving end of somebody reaching out, that we do not, we, we handle that with care. Because it's one thing to be hurt by a person in the world. It's another thing to be hurt by a person in the church. That, has a, that, is, that is a deeper cut 
and it's so hard for that to be mended. But as a result, I think that's spot on. Verse 9 is the command there is Christians confessing to one another. God already knows. <laughs> and so the confessing is the bridging of those relationships. Right? Okay, any other thoughts on that? It's got about another minute. Ms. Kelly? I think sometimes we try to portray ourselves as perfectly righteous and, and all of that. When I mean, we're full of hurt and anger and pain and, and everything else, but if we let people in, you know, that's a different, yeah. that's a different story. But we're not perfect. Right. <laughs> that's a... Uh, you know, everybody, you, you, you go around on a Sunday morning, ask, how are you? How are you? Everybody's, I'm good. I'm good. A bunch of liars, right? There we go. He mentions right here, you are a liar. No, he is a liar. But uh, if we could just be a little bit more honest and be open and willing, and, and I understand some of us have been hurt in the past, and I understand some of us don't like to feel vulnerable, but if I can't lean on a brother or sister of Christ, who can I lean on? That, that's here with me. Obviously, God is there. But who can, I, who can I use? You know, I love it when people will come up and say, you know what, um, I want to know what your thoughts are. And I'm here saying, like, I, you came to me. You know, I understand, I understand what I do for a living, but I'm looking at older Christians in the congregation saying, let's go there first. You know, I'll be like plan, plan B or C. But there's so many people here who have experienced life. There's so many people who have been through the ups and the downs. And I hope that us, uh, those who are younger, especially in your spiritual walk, can use those resources, can use them. You think about how God pairs people up. A brand new converted Saul comes, becomes Paul. And who does God pair him up with? Barnabas. He pairs him up with Barnabas on his first missionary journey. You think there was a reason for that? He was older in the faith. He was very, very good at encouraging other people, right? He was a son of encouragement. Any final thoughts or questions as we close up? All right. Well, I think that's, uh, I hope that's been encouraging to you. I hope that that maybe uh, gave you a different view, a different perspective on, on what John means of, of being uh, somebody who loves one another. We'll pick up on this Sunday, uh, Sunday morning sermon and kind of do a follow-up uh, in other areas of John's letters. But... Um, any closed out any word of